Welcome back to System Minutes Trivia, the podcast where I definitely don't have anything to say. I should start writing these out ahead of time, don't you think? You could have just said the podcast where Jathan doesn't know shit. <laughs> we were, in our pre-meeting, uh, we were, pre-recording session, we were discussing the topics we were going to talk about today. And he's like, I don't, I don't know what like most of these are. And I'm like, what well, didn't you read? Like I've, I've had them up there under the, on the topics list for a while. And he's like, nope. So. <laughs> Look, I'm a busy individual now that class has started back up. I think I might be more busy than you, to be honest. Mm. And I still manage. We should switch lives for a couple of days. Works for me. Okay. Um, Good luck with those bio classes. Well, the assumption is that they would be the knowledge of the of the individual would be transferred. You would just be getting the experience of of workload. Do I have to start smoking too? I I, I guess I don't know because <laughs> that's time out of your day right there. Well, not really. I'm usually out there with the laptop while I'm smoking in the backyard. So so your laptop has cancer. But um. I don't think it quite works like that, but we'll see. <laughs> I'll let you know if my laptop starts getting tumors. Oh, goodness. On this episode, we have uh, terminal servers in Linux, password cracking and auditing. We'll be discussing some desktop environments under Linux, so one of those, you know, end-user-friendly segments. I have mobile devices on the list. I'm pretty sure you put that there. Because I don't know what that's referring to. I may have a long time ago. (laughs) Okay, I feel like we've talked about cell phones enough. I'll just gripe about my hatred for tablets then. We have an announcement for... We have actually two announcements for for the show, so... Two announcements? Two announcements. You, you, You already know the one, but you don't know that it's an announcement. So we'll <laughs> we'll do that at the end of the show. Yeah, okay, I'm excited now just to get to the end. <laughs> <laughs> okay, you gotta stick with me then. But before we do that, we had a, a fun little time, even before the pre-meeting. It was, I don't know, what, like 30 minutes ago? I, I told Jathan to refresh his browser, and he's using a Mac. And apparently, F5 and Control F5 don't work the way you expect them to? Correct. Okay, that's stupid. Like, I, I was only trying in Chrome because that's what I use to access uh, our, our scratch pad. And I just tried it with Safari. So Command-R is the magic key combo. That's ridiculous. Wait, you, you use Safari? I do regularly, yeah. Why not Firefox or Chrome? Um, Chrome for Mac, I tried a while ago, and it just crashed a lot, and I got pissed off. <laughs> And Firefox is slow as balls. Uh, Depends on how many tabs you have open at once. So I just stick to Safari because, I mean, I really only use my Mac for schoolwork, typically. Mm. I don't Uh, know. So it's like, whatever. I don't really care that much. What do you mean, just schoolwork? You're on your Mac right now. I know, but this is like, okay, it has nothing to do with my browser, like... I'm using Audacity to record, and we're using Mumble, but that has nothing to do with Safari or Chrome or Firefox. It's not going to impact my experience recording. You still need to pull up the scratch pad. You still need to read. But the that's websites. in Chrome. Well, then why why can't you use Chrome for your your day to day stuff? What do you use, Firefox? Yeah, I use Firefox. Why do you prefer Firefox to Chrome? Uh, I like the interface layout a little bit better. But you admit that Chrome's more stable. I wouldn't say stable, no. Oh, man. I don't know. See, I was using um, Firefox at work for the longest time, too, on Arch, and two things. One, no matter how hard I tried, 
And I, I know I asked you about this. My Flash player would not work with Pandora. Like, everything else was fine, but Pandora was always like, fuck you, you're out of date, so we're not playing shit. Well. So then I installed Chrome, and it was fine. It was just like, okay, I'm working now. Well, Chrome doesn't use the system Flash. It uses its its uh, own. I know, yeah. yeah, which is fine by me. Uh, but the other thing is, is Firefox at work every once in a while, it would just literally lock up my entire GNOME desktop. So mm. I would have to, like change to a different tty kill x and restart it i i don't know i've never had firefox do that i've had some script errors on pages like drag firefox performance down but once you stop that element it's fine yeah i also granted run usually two to three different firefox sessions at a time with about 200 tabs each session well so that's just stupid your mileage may vary because you can't even find anything well I mean, I, I can. So at some point, are you just like, fuck it, I don't know what any of this is, so you just bookmark it and close them all? Just like bookmark all tabs? And Maybe save once it a year, I do that. Well, oh my god. So how often do you clean that out? Not often. Ever. <laughs> Not ever. That is the dumbest thing I've ever heard of. You can't even read the fucking tabs at the top. Well, I, I can, yeah. It, it doesn't squash all of them. No, it just gives you the arrow. So if you have to find something that's in the other hundred and ninety-five that don't show, no, up no, 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 no. Listen to me. If I if I know I'm looking for something, you can hit a new tab, or really do it in the same the same tab, and then start typing either the title or the URL of the site, and it'll it'll offer to take you to that tab. Two hundred tabs. Yeah, that is unreal. That's not productive. I, well, it it seems to be working fine for me. Oh my gosh! I hope your boss is listening and fires you. What I don't think he will. Well, he should because you don't know how to use the internet. <laughs> Excuse you. <laughs> that is probably the most egregious statement I have heard all day. That is ridiculous. Oh my god. Okay, so maybe after this, I will give a different browser a chance on my Mac. I have Firefox and Chrome. Firefox is pre-configured to use a secure shell tunnel for proxying traffic. Hmm. And so I really only open that when I'm in a situation where I want to do that. And that way I don't have to change the settings. I can just like, oh, I want to proxy my traffic. I know to open Firefox. Well, just have Firefox start the session manager and, and use a different session if you don't want to. Yeah, I could. But I don't think but I'd you're use lazy. Firefox anyway. No, I think I'd use Chrome if I was going to use a different browser. Oh. All right. Well, I'm are you not drinking Chrome. right now? I am. I am drinking the... I was actually going to ask that, and then I, I, I kept remembering it and then forgetting it to, to talk about it. I am drinking the Wilhelm Scream Pumpkin Ale from Magic Hat. Ooh, how is it? It's alright. I'm not really a fan of the whole pumpkin-y thing. Yeah, because um, I really want to try making pumpkin beer, but I don't. I also don't. Like, I just don't. <laughs> <laughs> you, you can't even? Well, it, it just grosses me out, kind of, thinking about it. Well... It's all right. I mean, it's an ale and it's magic hat. So like it's it's by far drinkable, but you definitely can taste the pumpkin. And I'm already sick of pumpkin spiced everything. Yeah. I don't know. The girlfriend got it and it's free bear. So I ain't going to complain. But <laughs> ooh, touche. Yeah. Yeah. Touche. What, what are you talking about? That wasn't really a. No, it's free beer. Touche. Oh, oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. It's free beer. So. Yeah, I'm drinking Alaskan Amber Alt Style Ale. What brewery? It's called Alaskan. Oh, got yeah. it. <laughs> um, so 
I don't know if you've ever had fat tire if you've traveled. I love at all. fat tire. Oh Where gosh. do you do you get it now? Or I heard rumors that places in PA were starting to get them, but I I think I've got a friend there. in Virginia and he gets it pretty regularly. But yeah, yeah, I think Virginia, Delaware, like the, the some parts of Delaware, you can get it. Maryland, but not so much in PA. Um, that yeah. So if, of course, so it's like everybody's go to here. It, I had tried something from Breckenridge Brewery called Avalanche Ale, and I liked it better than Fat Tire. So sorry to disappoint anybody that loves Fat Tire. And then I had a friend recommend this Alaskan Amber alt-style ale, uh, and they said that it's better than Avalanche, which they also agreed was better than Fat Tire. Hmm. I still think that Avalanche is the best of the three after having all three. Hmm. You know what I You know what I really could go for right now? A Shiner Bach. Oh, God. Really? I love we have Shiner. that here too. Yeah, it's okay. Uh, I'm all about the Shiner. Shiner I actually are... had. Well, first of all, I think I've already told you this, but if I could get Yingling here, I would never buy another beer besides uh, Yingling. I'm sick of Yingling. Oh, it's so good. It's for, everywhere. Like, but for what it costs, like here, everyone drinks Coors Light as like their cheap beer, if yeah. you will. But I think Yingling's like a million times better than Coors. I don't know. I give the choice between Yingling. And PBR, I would take PBR at this point. I don't dislike PBR that much either. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's, if you're going for that cheap beer, like, I'm just sick of Yangling because every place has it and it's like the only drinkable beer. Like, it, it's like that or like Coors or, or Miller Lite or whatever, you know? And I'm like, all right, well, given those choices, I guess I'll have a Yangling. Whatever. We are super off topic and we're already yeah. t- like 10 minutes in. But they love us. <laughs> okay. Well. <laughs> Oh man, yeah. So I'm just gonna jump right in then before we before we find another tangent because we're good at that. So terminal servers in Linux. First of all, do you are you familiar with what a terminal server is and thin clients? Sort of. Well, okay. So my question is, I I think I'm familiar with the term, but I don't think based on my mental definition that X2Go fits in the category. Well, I, I have to look. So for those listening that aren't familiar with the concept. Um, oh, yeah, yeah, you can, yeah, X2Go would work. Um, so you have something called a, a terminal server. And these were, like, this is where, like, Citrix originally got its bread and butter. They would do a lot of this kind of stuff. You'd have, like, basically one super beefy server where all the programs run and everything. And then you have thin clients or, or dumb clients. And they would simply just pull up a local graphic a graphical layer and then run uh, connect to the server basically and that's different from like a server a typical server client infrastructure because the the thin clients don't really have an operating system of their own and they don't really have any kind of persistent storage it's all ram disk you know uh, there is there is a persistent storage usually it's like a, a flash chip or something but that's where the the bootstrap ROM goes basically. I mean, there's a lot of ways to do it. I think my personal favorite would be iPixie and then just boot into that. There's other ones where you can load a bare minimal local OS and then pull your home directory and everything like that over the network. But yeah, at the end of the day, you can run applications locally or you can run them on the server and then just connect graphically, things like that. So do you get to choose on a per application basis? Like, I want to run this one on the server and I want to run this one locally. 
You <sighs> like is that easily configurable? Is there like a nice window that pops up and it's like no. which style would you like to open this? No, I mean you could write something to do that. Because that'd be um, a lot cooler. I could see a lot of actual use for that. Oh, oh, like for your for your lab? Uh, yeah, at BioFrontiers in general, we have a lot of researchers that need to do visualization work, but it's mm -hmm. not um, it's not easy in this day and age with what we've got available, at least at our place, to allow researchers to visualize data without pulling it to their local machine first. Right. Yeah, that's just the first thing I thought of. All right, so I, I used them interchangeably before, but it's not exactly accurate. Dumb clients are purely like RAM disk based. You know, ROM image pull everything from the server. Typically, they run the bulk of, if not the entirety of their application stack on the server and things like that. Thin clients are also RAM disk based, but they tend to basically just use that RAM disk feature. You know, it's it's a it's a nuanced kind of difference. But for what your for like for your implementation, I would probably say the uh, the thin client rather than the dumb client would be would be better. Right. Um, well, and, you know, I just asked you guys. Sorry for those of you listening. I actually asked in our IRC channel, like, hey, we've got this old Hadoop cluster that we're trying to repurpose. And I would love to somehow use it in a way that would allow people to more easily visualize their data. Are you but, trying to still use Hadoop for that or? No, we're just. We're oh, like totally repurpose. Totally repurpose. Yeah. Yeah. So we haven't had a job run on the Hadoop cluster since May 2014, I think. Jeez. And I'll, I'll link to it in the show notes, but check out LTSP and just build yourself a terminal server there on top of that, that clustered stack. And you, right. can, you probably would see a lot better use case where, where people could like uh basically remote desktop or vncn and and do it that way that's what the x2go is by the way that's a terminal server centric remote client kind of a thing you know right that's closer to what citrix is not not entirely but it's it's closer and then like regular vanilla ltsp is probably closer to to traditional dumb client setups i set one of these up for uh for a school in oh man it was years ago it was maybe a decade ago it was a pain in the ass and the hardware <laughs> like the the central server for the hardware we probably could have done better we probably could have just gotten less bp servers and then clustered them but it was it was such a pain dude it was a behemoth it was like 500 pounds and <laughs> not 500 pounds but like it was heavy uh and it was huge and it put off so much heat and i don't know how the project's doing now because I, you know, I, I didn't work at the school. It was just a job. But I, I hope they still use it because that was a pain to set up. What is uh, the use case for this for someone like at home? It doesn't really have a whole lot at home. It's more like classroom setups or workstations for a, a corporate level, you know. But what's the benefit to that over just buying everyone a, you know, $400 Dell desktop? Oh, it's all cheaper. You can get thin clients for like 100 bucks. Okay. So, like, and that's the thing. Once you hit a certain client number size, then it becomes economically viable. Like, if you just want, like, three dumb clients and one server, that server's already got to be so beefy. You're already shelling out 300 for the three dumb clients. It's not worth it. But if you if you spend, I don't know, let's, let's just say, like, uh, 20 grand on the server, and that's going to get you a really good terminal server. So 20 grand, and then 100 bucks a pop per seat already after, what's what's the going rate for workstation class desktops? Probably like 400, 400 that's why I threw it out there. Yeah. 400 to 800? 
maybe yeah. actually even like 300 depending what what you're doing or yeah what you're doing. so around like after like 40 or so clients like you've broken even you can expand from there you know you can get like 60 clients on the same server 100 clients on the same server you know you do have to make sure the network can support it too because a lot of it is network based like i said you know the home average home user isn't going to see a lot of benefit to this but if you have a lot of people that need similar or identical environments um and you want central control over that this is definitely the way to go and it will save you money as it reaches a certain threshold and grows from there so that's that's like thin client stuff there's also kiosks which is a little bit of a different concept and kind of like my pet project not project but concept i'd love i love the idea of kiosks um so like atm Where machines would you like to see them implemented everywhere <laughs> really ATM machines are an example of an electronic kiosk. They're a pretty stupid kiosk because they can only do maybe five different things, you know, print your summary, get cash, whatever, you know, like like three or four things they can do. Airplane ticket kiosks are an example of this. And then you've got more impressive ones like they, they used to be a lot popular, but they have like web browsing kiosks. The FedEx store, FedEx stores usually have them where it's it's like a kind of self-enclosed computer but it's got like a keyboard and some kind of like trackball or something you know there's there's some linux projects specifically for that and i'll i'll put a link some links up one is uh the one that i i found was pretty cool was the porteous kiosk basically it looks like you can just brew your own using debian as a base which is pretty cool you know so if you need to build out a kiosk system and have it do something like a like a ticket check-in at a dentist's office. You know, they're they're great for like single purpose things that you need a dedicated machine for that will be used by many people. That's that's the primary target of kiosks. So Porteous would be great there because then you just pop your application in there and away you go. That's that's really all I wanted to talk about them, but I've just I kind of missed the days of yore where you could have like internet cafes. Cause that would be the the perfect uh application of a kiosk thin client setup you know right right yeah there used to be um this is sort of a, another tangent but it's sort of related also there was uh this place called nerve and it was basically like a center that had all these gaming pcs and you could basically pay to go game on their computers it was like a nirv i think no i think it was just like nerve center n-e-r-v-e but i mean it was pretty local to me so i would doubt if you'd heard of it no, I, I remember hearing about some kind of gaming cafe. Was was it pretty big or? Um, I'd say they had about fifty computers there. Yeah, yeah, maybe. So it was maybe decent. Uh, we used to go like four or five of us, even though we all had our own computers. Uh, we right. definitely didn't have all the games. So, mm -hmm. you know, if we wanted to try out a new game with all of us, we would just go and for like an hour, it was like eight or nine bucks a piece. No, that's not bad. No, and that's the thing though. That was that was the point I was talking about earlier. You don't really see that many kiosks anymore because everybody's got a smartphone airplanes and and or airplanes airports might really be the only ones that have proper kiosks these days aside from the ubiquitous like atms and stuff so i i don't know i mean i i kind of miss the days of yore where you'd see them everywhere yeah well it still could be a cool thing i mean uh, the i think the market for them is dead though you know like it's it's everybody really does have a smartphone these days so it's not really there's no appeal there there's no market for it yeah whatever i'm gonna talk about password cracking so there's a tool called john 
John is like the Linux, Unix, whatever go-to for password cracking. It supports a crap ton of, of formats. So like not only the traditional uh, Microsoft uh, Linux, Unix shadow file, but it supports like Microsoft password hashes, um, Mac OS X dumps, zip files, all sorts of crazy stuff. If you can put a password on it, they're trying to put support into John Ford if they haven't already, you know? Um, it's not the fastest by any means. There is the John MPI fork, I believe. Maybe it's a patch that lets you run, you know, multi-processor instance of John, but it's not, it's, it still really can't compare, you know, it doesn't, speed isn't necessarily their focus. It may have been at one point, but it, it definitely is not now. And they instead are kind of focusing on more esoteric password formats, which is cool, you know, because it does fulfill a need. Um, but it's open source, you know, you can grab it, we'll, we'll have a link in the description, it's probably in your distribution software repositories. There's a GUI for it called Johnny, I don't really have a lot of experience with that, I did package it for the AUR for Arch, but I, I haven't really actually used it too much yet, so I, I don't really know how well it works. How um, long would it take to crack your average password? Well, you're going to need to clarify that. What kind of hardware is, is the cracker running on? Let's say How it's, long is the password? What format is it in? Jeez, uh, uh, I don't know. Uh, let's just say we're talking about someone's gaming PC, and they, they are not using their video card, though. Mm. Oh, so, John, I don't even think, has any GPU support, so that wouldn't matter. It does. It does the, now? The most recent version, yeah. Awesome. Okay. Uh, let's see. This version integrates lots of contributed patches, adding GPU support, CUDA, and OpenCL. Sweet. I'll have to check that out. Uh, I'll talk more about that when we talk about Hashcat. But yeah, so so standard gaming PC, how long is the password? Let's just say it's like an 8-core processor, 3.2 gigahertz. The password is mm, 12 characters, assorted numbers and letters. No special characters, though? No special characters. Um, What hash? Let's assume that this person is using standard install of Ubuntu. I'm I'm gonna assume it's SHA five twelve, because that's that's pretty much the best you're gonna get in the shadow file these days. And if they don't use that by default, they're stupid. So <laughs> <clears throat> on that hardware, twelve character password, num only numbers and letters. Probably I'd say a day or two. Really? That's it? Did it depends on how complex, yeah. You can, the max, the upper limit there might be, uh, oh shit, I don't know. I mean, we're, we're, it can get super long, but the problem is like, it's not usually so much the, the hash that's the problem. It's the, the passwords people use. So like numbers and letters, like that's probably just a simple, simple transformation password, you know? So you'd start by like trying a dictionary, then you'd right. take the dictionary and put it in leap and then you, you know, and then you add a one, add a two, you know? Um, so we're, we're talking like it can crack and they have benchmarks on their site, but we're talking like thousands to millions of passwords a second. So it's not really, or more, you know, depending on the hash and the hardware and, um, you know, how much you know about the password. If you know, it's 12 characters exactly, that's going to take so much less time because right. then you don't have to increment up to it. I kind of want to try to crack my own password later. Yeah. Or just like let it run. Uh, in the I think background. it's a, I think it's something everyone should do at least once. 
I could um, just do it on my Linode. It would take a while, but that's okay. Yeah. Yeah, you can give it a shot. Or uh, an Amazon instance and then just throw up a crap load of temporary instances. Yeah. Cluster true. them together and then <clears throat> distribute the job out to them and then have it come back. Um, so that's John. John is, yeah, it, it's like the cornerstone of, of password cracking in the Linux world. Um, anybody who cracks passwords at all, like you say John, and they're like, oh, yeah, 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 John, cut my teeth on that, you know. There's oaf crack which is actually typically centered around Windows passwords. This one is awesome. So you can get most Windows passwords with Ofcrack in less than five minutes. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Because the way Windows implements their hashing, and, you know, if you can get, like, the, the SAM file and registry files and stuff, you have access to the file system, and they, they have their own live CD with the software on it that'll automatically crack any installed Windows system it finds which is scary and wonderful at the same time. There's a really fundamental flaw in how they hash them, so the, it's it's pretty trivial to, to find. I, I love it. If, if I have to fix someone's laptop and they have Windows installed on it, I don't even have to ask them what the password is. I don't have to change it. It was like, oh, well, uh, change your password and then change it back and <laughs> bye, you know. They never know. But, you know, I, I feel the need now to say, like, only use these for good, you know. I use a... <laughs> I know, I, I say that with like a chuckle, but like, the only reason I use Ofcrack when I fix people's laptops is because I need to know the password to uninstall the malware or whatever, you know? Like, it's, it is what it is. But it's it's pretty cool. They've got a, a pretty slick project going. It pretty much only focuses on cracking Windows stuff from a Linux environment, but, I mean, it, it's still invaluable, I'd say. And they do have a live CD, so if you don't have Linux installed, but you forget your admin password or something just keep a, a loaf crack cd handy and it'll it'll find it for you and then there's hashcat and ocl hashcat ocl hashcat is a gpu driven cracker and it's it's so cool dude it definitely outperforms john it doesn't support quite as many formats that john does you know hashing formats and and password dictionaries and things like that that it does what it does support it it flies through it's it's super awesome. Um, so that's OCL Hashcat. Hashcat is the software or uh, CPU bound version of that. So check them out by by all means. Check them out and uh, take a look. There are plenty of other ones. There's like Kane Enable or just Kane, I think it's called. Um, which is like the most biblical password cracker. No, that's one of them. Uh, that's like the Windows equivalent of John. It's it's got that same kind of legacy behind it, but it's Windows only. There's Hydra, which is like a the THE Teams Hydra, which is like a network brute forcer for like HTTP basic auth and stuff like that. It's come in handy, but it, at the end of the day, it's it's just a parallel capable brute forcer. You know, like nothing you can't write in like Python or something. So you know, it's it's handy having it. On it on its own, but there's there's probably better attack vectors than trying to brute force the stinking user and password. So I, I don't have anything else to say on that. What about you? Anything I don't have that? too much. I've never even really played with like a password cracking anything. Um, I was messing around with my Raspberry Pi and basically breaking Wi-Fi or WPS. Yeah, exploiting that, but. Now, I mean, Raspberry Pis are really not something you want to use for cracking. Um, right, right, right. I, I was just doing is basically a brute force on a WPS protected, you know, a setup 
thing. Oh, have you heard about the pixie attack? No. It's different from Reaver. So Reaver is an example of like a WPS attack where it basically just brute forces the WPS, right? Because there's only so many pins that you could possibly have. Right, right. It, it was a fatal design flaw. Pixie will kind of like uses a flaw in the WS system, WPS system itself. You can offline crack, so you can you can do it offsite, and you don't even need to be you don't even need to be running WPS. You don't even need to have it enabled for most many, I should say, not most for many of the the routers. Really? Yeah. So even turning it off is not suitable. Yep. Because, like, when I got my router, that was the first thing I did was turned off WPS. Yeah, I think D-Links are the worst in that, where I, I think even if you turn it off, they still leave it enabled. Um, really? I what, hope they fix the, that. Yeah, I mean, what's the point of what's doing What's the point that? of the button? I don't know. To make you feel better? <laughs> um, who knows? But that's that's cracking for you. But yeah, check out check out Pixie. There is a Wi-Fi-ed version with Pixie. That's P-I-X-I-E, not P-X-E. There's a Wi-Fi version with, with Pixie. So if you're into the automated wireless attacking, check out Wi-Fi with their, with their Pixie fork. So next is a topic that's guaranteed to start a war these days. Probably more vehement discussions than editor wars. You know, it's like this for generations editor war, maybe. Desktop environment. Now I'm going to start off with saying I use GNOME 3. Uh, on all my machines, except the ones I can't handle it, and then I use LXDE, fuck the haters. I personally don't really care what you use as long as it works for your workflow. I use GNOME because it works for my workflow, and I like the way it, it manages my workflow. KDE, I can't really get the hang of, just don't, not a fan of it. Uh, and then LXDE because it's just, it's super lightweight. So if I have a system that might be memory constrained or something, then LXD is what I go with. What do you, what do you use on your Linux boxes that need desktop environments? I only have one, but I am using the same setup you are. Oh, really? With a recent modification that I'm still not sure about. Oh, right. I3. Yes. I'm using I3 on top of, uh, GNOME. So mm, there's horrible. I like it for the most part. Um, there's a few key bindings that I want to change, but have been too lazy to figure out how to do it. So yeah, I have gone back and forth though through the times. Uh, I used KDE for a long time. When I used Gen2, I mostly used KDE. Before I used Gen2, I used Zubuntu a lot. Hmm. So what? What inspired? I mean, I I can see um, XFCE to uh, KDE, you know, because XFCE is kind of stripped down. But what what inspired your move from KDE to to its primary competitor? Um, when they started doing that weird thing where like you sort of had containers and like your desktop was a window on your desktop, but for like the files and folders. I don't know if you know what I'm talking about. I don't no. know what their terminology for it is, but like instead of having a desktop that you could just drag things onto. It was basically like you had your desktop background and then there was like a window that was permanently on your desktop and that was where you had to interact with the things that were actually on your desktop. Ew. And I, I mean, there was probably a way to change it. It's probably not still like that. I have no effing idea. But at the time I was just like, this is the stupidest fucking thing I've ever seen. And I switched. <laughs> Got it. Was that like a KDE4 thing? Yes. Okay. Yeah, I... I'd... I don't. I haven't really touched KDE since the near the end of the KDE three life. So yeah, and it used to be a lot more resource intensive, but now I'm not sure. Mm. Yeah, I I will grant that that GNOME is definitely a resource hog. It it wasn't though. Not not GNOME two. No. GNOME three is. 
Yeah. That's that's a thing that sucks too is like I mean really my my gnome 3 looks just like gnome 2. Uh, uh wait, are you using gnome 3 or are you using uh I'm using 3. Mate, mate or mate or whatever it's called. No, oh, I'm right, using you the classic mode thing, right? But yes, but yes, there's that. It still it still has that uh that GLX extensions enabled though, doesn't it? Yeah, and there's some things I really like, like being able to press my uh Windows key as it turns out. Uh, like fans all my windows out, and that's something that I have on my Mac that I really rely on to. Find yeah, that's things. that's in the uh, the standard GNOME three too. Yeah, but that was not something that was easy to do previously. You know, so things like that that are built in right from the start, I really appreciate, and I don't have an issue with it using too many resources for me. Granted, yeah. I I almost never use my desktop at work anymore. I'm almost always somewhere with my laptop. But mm. yeah, I don't know. I I don't I don't really run into problems with it. But at the same time, it's because I'm using it on systems with like massive amounts of, of memory, and the ones that I that have less memory, I use LXDE on. So I don't really know how much I would notice, you know. But it definitely does use more than GNOME two. Absolutely, there's no doubt about that. But it's also a little bit more polished and everything. So yeah, yeah. I mean, it 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 feels better, you know. It feels more flowy to me. Than Gnome 2. And then you could throw cinnamon in the mix, right? Oh, fuck cinnamon. Which is just, I don't understand. But it's, I think it's like an overlay, you know? Just to Gnome 2? 3. I thought that Mint came up with cinnamon, basically. I They might have. I'm pretty sure they came up with Mate. But huh, okay. um, cinnamon, I think, might be an Ubuntu thing. Not a Mint thing. No. Well, I, I'll, I'll look into it and I'll update the show notes. Um it's it's I don't really care all that much to look yeah, it up right now. I don't either. Yeah. Um but there is also XFCE which I briefly mentioned. It's a good uh, a great really. It's a great compromise between I'd say features and resource usage. You know, it's it definitely it's very customizable. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it used to be. I haven't used it now in years. No, it's still it's still pretty customized. So imagine if you let me put it this way, if you liked the menu layout and the how Windows XP felt, then you would love XFCE. I also think you could argue, like for me, I really liked GNOME two with Ubuntu, but I liked that I could make XFCE look exactly the same and behave mm-hmm. almost exactly the same, but use half as much resources. Yeah, it's very flexible, um, and it does have things like. Uh, disk auto mounters and stuff so you could just pop your usb in and, and be good to go plus you can run a lot of gnome extensions with xs yeah yeah well that's that's more so the gt gtk2 and, and three right levels yeah right so that that has more to do with that but yeah xfce is pretty cool lxde is like lowest of the level you can't go more you can't go you can't really get more thin than lxde without sticking to just a windows manager uh, and a win- the difference between a window manager and a desktop environment is one actually functions like a desktop system. The other one is just basically a layer to, to pop windows on. So like if you've ever booted up to like a broken X or something and you have like one Gentoo users will know exactly what we're talking about because they, they do this as part of the, the X install. Um, and you boot up to like that black screen or maybe gray screen with one window on it, the console. That's TWM. That's a window manager. I think i3 by itself is a window manager. Awesome is a window manager. Rat Poison. There's I read a about a new one. one today that I was really interested in. What's that? 
Qtile or Q Qtile? I've never heard of it. Qtile. Um, so it's written in Python. Oh. Which is scary, but the reason I thought that was cool is because a lot of people could probably hack at it to make it do what they wanted because it's only Python. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the other thing is, is I haven't looked into it much, but I imagine you could probably run it over top of something else very easily. Oh, yeah, I, I, I'd imagine. Probably. Um, but yeah, we'll stick that in the show notes, too. Yeah, can you can you uh, PM that to me? Yeah. Okay. Um, and then there's uh, there's some stragglers. So, like, I mentioned Mate, or Mate. It's capital M-A-T-E. But it's got that little accent. No, it doesn't. Oh, and it's it, Mate? It's just an ac- <laughs> I pronounce it as Mate, but apparently I've been, cor- I've been corrected, and apparently it's Mate. <laughs> Who knows? But I think that... I can't remember if that was developed by Mi- the Mint Project or Manjaro Project, but one of, one of the, the forking distros out there, the user-friendly forking distros, wrote it, and it's... It's basically the look and feel of GNOME 2, but with modern libraries. You know, it's actually like it works with Systemd and stuff like that as well, and modern versions of UDev and things like that. So if you like living in the past, but also like updating your system, <laughs> that'd be your way to go. That's also, it's it's super lightweight as GNOME 2 was, or excuse me, GNOME 2. So, I mean, it's, it's definitely something to check out if you miss the way GNOME used to look um, before their update to GNOME 3. I know there's others that I'm probably forgetting. Mint, which is more of like a GNOME 3 overlay than anything, but it does some funky things with, with menus. I believe... Does Ubuntu still use Mint or Cinnamon by default? No, Unity. They use Unity. Unity is another overlay. I thought that they had gotten rid of that too, honestly. Uh, that might be in 15 they got rid of that. The LTS still has it. I have no effing idea. I haven't even looked at that website yeah i i haven't i haven't played around with it i installed it recently but that was for a test environment for bdisk when i was testing cross distro support and that was just a command line install so i don't know if it works or i don't know you know i don't know what they're running these days but i'll look it up put it in the show notes whatever but yeah and and then there's like tiling window manage there's there's like just window managers and there's tilers and things like that you have a lot of options, and I recommend you check out a lot of different ones and find one that works for your workflow. If you are using one that other people don't like, fuck them. Yeah, that's exactly how I feel. I yeah. mean, I know you don't like i3, but Mm-mm. I personally have found that since I started using it, I don't have to touch my mouse, and I really like that. That is that the is cool thing about that for like me tilers. is that like my desk is... Uh, so I kind of have a cubicle at this point, and my desk is basically like in a corner so i have mm-hmm. a like a 90 degree two tables that come and meet and so i can actually take my keyboard and just like kick back with my feet up on the desk and i never need the mouse if i'm using i3 and so i like that yeah i, I generally get by actually i'd say the entirety of my gnome gnome 3 experience is also driven by keyboard you um, can do it but it's not as nice well i mean it, it depends there's a lot of really cool shortcuts the problem is <laughs> when an app itself requires a mouse absolutely know? yeah yeah and that's the thing is like if i have to open a remote desktop to one of our uh windows vms or something then it's like well i have to go back to the mouse now yeah because it's because it's a windows environment or uh a lot of time web browsing you can definitely do it with cursor keys yes but it's not going to be very comfortable yeah and that's the other thing is uh i mean i still have to open the ticketing system and look at a ticket but once yeah. i know what i'm doing and i'm on my way i can usually just use i3 yeah 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 for yeah. sure yeah, 
I don't know. Next we have on the topic list is mobile devices. I'm, I I don't know why you had that on there because we already talked a lot about mobile devices. I mean, I probably put that on pretty early on in our podcast days. Yeah, I don't know. I hate tablets. I think they're stupid. I hate mini tops or whatever they're called. I hate they're stupid. I bought a Surface Pro 3. Uh-huh. In September of last year. How often have you used it? Oh, wait. Yeah, just let me finish my story. I got it. Mm. I charged it. Got to 100%. And I was like using it for a while. It just didn't leave 100%. I was like, damn, this thing has some great battery life. All of a sudden just dies completely. Okay. So, you know, plug it back in. I'm just like, well, let's see what happens. Same thing. It charged to 100%. So once it turned back on, it was at zero. It charged back to 100. But once it hit 100, it would never leave 100 until it just died. So I take it back to the Microsoft store by me. I tell them what's going on. I show them and they're like, okay, well, clearly this is a problem. Get me another unit. I take it home, do all the updates. Because for me, I'm like a really, um, I mean, you know, I like collect fountain pens and stuff. Uh I really like to write my notes. And I thought the Surface Pro 3 was a cool way to do that. I really like the pen experience. I think it's excellent. So go back, get another, come home, update it. Same exact thing. It was like literally the like most recent update would just break. So I take it back one last time and I'm like, okay, I'm not leaving with this until I leave and it's working. So at the store, they open a third one. They take it out. They do all the updates. They're like, oh, well, it looks fine. So I take it home, charge it up to 100, just stays at 100. And I was so pissed at that point because, you know, I don't have a car out here. So for me, it's like taking the bus every single time I have to deal with this as classes are starting and everything else. So finally, I go back to the Microsoft store and the guy's like, oh, my God, I'm so sorry. What can I do to make you keep this? And I was like, if you upgrade me to one with an i7 at no cost to me, I'll consider it. And he was like, I can't do that. And I was like, well, then I want my money back. And as I was saying that, some guy walked up and they were like trying to sell him on it. And they were like, literally, the guy turned to me. He's like, well, how do you feel about yours? Because I had just walked in with mine. And I was like, if you buy this, then uh, it's going to be the biggest waste of money you've ever had. And I felt bad because the guys at the store, it's obviously not their fault, but uh, Jesus, like get your quality control shit together. And I've heard that they've become a lot better. And I think it's one of the better tablet type devices out there. But did you see what would happen before you ran updates? Yeah, it was fine. Oh, so it was a bad update. Yeah, but who the hell wants to run Windows? Well, who wants to run Windows in the first place? But who wants to run Windows without updates? Put Linux on it. I don't know how that would work out with the whole pen thing. That might ruin it. What do you mean? No. I guarantee the pen support is not as good. Dude, the pen integration, I seriously would never plug Microsoft, but I think that is their best product that I've ever touched, at least in terms of like making me feel like it fulfilled a role that nothing else could. Uh, I don't I don't Seriously. think you should make that statement until you until you try the alternative. All right, alternative. Well, find me one. I mean, you you had one. I'm not going to go out and buy one for you just to prove a point. So you're saying that I should get one and just put Linux on it? Yeah. I don't think the pen would be as nice. What? I mean, half the pen experience in terms of taking notes was their um, note product, which I don't remember the name of it right now. OneNote. The way it integrated with the pen, it was just like super nice. I mean, fuck it. I buy, uh, I mean, I buy really nice paper and I write with really nice pens because it's still cheaper than that fucking Surface was. Well, here's the thing. Like, so, my notebooks cost $14 a piece for, like, 80 sheets. Right. But, I mean, I, I told you how I got that uh, that laptop with touchscreen support 
and I threw Arch on it, and it worked right out of the box, right? Yeah. Like, but that's, too well. It's different. Like, I want to turn it off. Like, the pressure sensitivity of the pen and having the ability Linux to write... Linux supports that. Okay. Well, I'm not about to go buy another Surface Pro 3, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> I'm just saying, like, I had this this crazy, exotic brand of... What do they call them? Di- digipads? I don't know what you're talking about. Graphic... Like, graphic artists have them, you know? It's like the pad. I think it's just like a graphics tablet yeah but like you a, can't a say that now thing. because everybody thinks tablets are handheld pcs not the other things yeah i know what you're talking about though yeah what old timers would call tablets uh in the digital world so i had one of them right linux recognized it fine i could do pressure sensitivity all that stuff windows just had one you know like it, it, it windows was a lot more stupid about it so i Really think it's something you should give the benefit of a doubt to and try before you, like, don't make assumptions about it is what I'm saying. Right. Linux support for things has gone light years into the future. You know, it's it's amazing what they're accomplishing now. And, and it's um, it's fantastic the support they have for some really strange hardware out there, along with all the generic and, and ubiquitous stuff. You know, like, it's it's all over the place. And it's, for the most, most part, done really well, I think. Yeah. Well, I mean, so. you know at this point that if I had to buy a laptop again and I could get one that had comparable battery life, which I probably could now, four years ago, not so much, I would definitely just put Linux on something other than getting a Mac comparable yeah you mean comparable yeah whatever (laughs) fucker well with that i'm gonna i'm gonna make my two announcements are you ready i want to know the surprise one first no you gotta wait this is bullshit do that second i am you already know it you're gonna be disappointed don't get your hopes up because you already know it so the first one is uh we will be taking a hiatus for two months the months of december and january we'll be taking a holiday break so that's four episodes you're gonna miss out on you know because we do two episodes a month so don't look for any episodes in december or january we we'll will be still back. be around we will we'll, still be we'll still be around we'll be in irc i'll probably be shit posting the hell out of twitter like i usually do um you know we'll, we will definitely be around we'd love to talk with you but we also want to make sure we don't have to focus on the show when, when we can spend time with our families as well. So, yeah, feel free to bug us still in IRC or whatever. But And over that uh, time period, keep track of things that you want us to talk about that happen or come out or just in general. Because when season one starts back up, we're going to need topics. Yeah, we have a we have a lot of crazy ideas for season one. Uh, yes, but we also we also really want your input and, and ideas and topics you want to, you want to hear us rant and ramble about. So yeah, so that I I will also post it on Twitter, but I wanted to make sure I got it into into one of the episodes in time. And we'll mention it again before it we, happens. Yeah, we'll we'll mention it again. I'll definitely post it on Twitter and and announce it with the the release of the last one before the hiatus stuff like that. So so there's that. And then for the second announcement, we found an editor probably. And see, now you're disappointed, aren't you? I kind of thought that's what it might be. Right? Cuz I cuz you already knew it. Yeah, he's pretty good. I I uh I know him personally. Uh he lives like 10 minutes away from me so that's that's good and you know he he does it as his actual job he's a freelancer and he does audio visual stuff uh audio visual audio video editing so the first episode he was editing would have been episode 14 the previous one so let us know what you thought of that 
will be glad to to pass the message along. I'll have to see if he wants a bio page, like a bio, a section up in the bio page or not. But you know, if, if he does, you'll be able to say hi. His name's Aaron. He's a cool dude. That's it. I don't know. I'm 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 stoked. Like he's a he's a friend, but like I'm still paying him. You know, because it's his job. That's like that's that's something I I believe in. Like don't don't take advantage of your friends. Uh talents you know if you if you like if a friend asked me to to fix their computer and we're like all right i'll I'll do it for a case of beer or whatever you know it's still gonna be way cheaper than most other places and i'm gonna do frankly speaking a hell of a lot better job i'm better than the greek squad my name is brent well i definitely am and you 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 and i both know it Mm. don't even think really Are you doubting it? Would I let you fix my Windows box? Well, I wouldn't want to because I hate working on Windows boxes. But if you paid me, yeah, <laughs> I think you would. Okay, uh, but I'm uh, inarguably I'm I'm better than them because they're a bunch of like nerds who they like the experience. You know, it's true. But I wouldn't. They're like it. they're more. It's <laughs> like they hired gamers and told them, "All right, now be now be like janitors." You know. For computers like it's it's like that's what they're doing so i don't know whatever um yeah so those are the announcements this is the end of episode what 15 16 uh, i don't know 16. 16 yeah this is episode 16 coming a long way it's been pretty cool yeah i um well maybe for our last episode of the season we should uh take a little time to reflect personally instead of talking about something serious Re- reflect person wouldn't reflecting personally be something serious well yeah but it's less serious than like government hacks <laughs> but government hacks let me laugh at them that's that's not serious. oh that reminds me did you hear uh lenovo got in trouble again yes yeah i'll post a link on that in the show notes too but holy shit dude like, how many times can you make the same exact mistake? Yeah, I don't think I'd buy their shit at this point. Yeah. I'm really regretting having gotten an, a Lenovo for now, Ali, so. Well, uh, along with Samsung. Well, with that, uh, this has been Sysadministrivia. This is Brent. I am Jonathan. See you around.